Welcome to Vesplanation. I'm Tyler, or you can call me Shugs. I love being able to educate my pet parents on what's going on with their furry little loved one. But as an emergency veterinarian, I'm usually running around from critical case to critical case and don't always have the time to be able to tell you what I've learned in 25 years of experience in just those short two minutes. I'm hoping with this podcast, I'm going to be able to help you guys understand what your veterinarian is trying to tell you. So let's jump into this week's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. All right, today, we're going to be talking about something called paraphimosis. So I'm going to warn you right now, if you have kids listening to this, you may want to turn this off and listen to it later. We are going to be talking about the male anatomy. All right, are we good? All right, cool. So real quick, we're going to talk about like the actual anatomy of male dogs. And it's a little bit different than we think about with human anatomy. So we're just going to kind of talk about those differences real quick. So first of all, so dogs still do have like testicles and they have the penis, but their penis is actually inside this like little pocket of flesh or skin called the sheath, which basically just keeps the penis actually really moist. Inside the penis itself, there's a bone called the os penis. And then there's also this other gland that's there. It's kind of like between where the penis and the testicles are. And sometimes you'll see when a male dog gets an erection, there's these two little bumps that form between there. And it's called a bulbo-urethral gland. People will often think that it's actually the testicles, especially people who've had their male dog neutered. What we do when we neuter them is we we remove the testicles from the scrotum. So the scrotum is just the skin that's holding over the testicles. We remove that from them. But they think that because they see these two little balls sitting next to the penis that they weren't removed. And that's what those are. But it's not. Those are actually just a gland that helps make the erection. It just happens to unfortunately look like kind of like testicles. All right. But the main thing that we need to know for paraphimosis is going to be that we have the penis that's inside of a sheath. The penis can go in and out of that sheath, usually when it's erect, but unfortunately in some dogs, even when it's not erect. And real quick for cats, they do have like the testicles as well, and they also have a penis that's inside of a sheath. It's just um, a little closer to each other. So now let's talk about paraphimosis. So paraphimosis is actually when the penis is extended out of the sheath for a long period of time. So technically, when a dog or a cat gets an erection, like it should only last for about 30 minutes. But sometimes it can last longer than that. So kind of our way that we kind of describe that it's going to be out for too long in veterinary medicine is usually over two hours. This can happen during mating. It can happen because the dog is just too excited about the pillow who knows? One question I tend to get from a lot of owners is, can a dog still have an erection if it has been neutered or castrated? Either way you want to talk, call it. And yes, they can still get an erection and they can still have this happen to them. So usually what happens is the penis comes out when they have an erection and the penis itself gets like caught outside of the sheath and becomes really swollen. 
it's basically like as if you were to put like a rubber band on your finger, on the tip of your finger. It's like it makes it to where your finger would be really swollen because you have a lot of your venous blood and your lymphatics not able to move back into the rest of your body. So you basically have a lot of blood that gets pumped in there and nothing can get pumped out. So it becomes really enlarged, very swollen, and it can't go back in. When that happens, the penis just becomes more swollen and we really can't get back into that sheath. So who does this commonly happen with? So if you look in the literature, it usually says German Shepherds, Golden Retrievers, Labradors. But I will tell you, clinically, the most common dog I see this with is Chihuahuas. Like, hands down. I think 99% of the dogs that I've dealt with this has been with Chihuahuas. It can happen in cats as well. So typically, like in cats, it usually happens because of their long hair getting caught around the penis, and then it just makes like this ring around the penis so that they just can't get it back in. In dogs, there are lots of different reasons. There are genetic reasons. So it could be that they have a really narrow sheath, meaning the opening of the sheath or the, the tissue holding the penis in is just really small. Or it could be from an injury. So sometimes they'll actually have like an injury to the sheath that causes scar tissue to make it too small. It can also be from having like long hair that's matted as well, just like the cats. Some other like non-genetic things are going to be sometimes when the penis comes out, the edges of the sheath get rolled inwards. And so it makes it impossible for that penis to go back in because now we've made a smaller space and it's also not lubricated, whereas the inside of the sheath is. It can be from like foreign bodies or happen like things that get stuck between the penis and the sheath from infections or traumas, even to the os penis, that bone we were talking about inside the penis can get broken and then it makes it an impossible angle to get it back in. You can have weakened muscles that pull the erection back in, or there can even be things like cancerous things on the penis or the sheath that might cause it not to be able to go back in. So what are some of the clinical signs you might see? Typically, you're going to see the the dog or the cat licking excessively at their genitals because it's uncomfortable. It hurts. Uh, You're going to see a lot of swelling in that area. So it's not just going to be that it'll be a little swollen and red. Like when we think about all the funny terms about like a red rocket or the lipstick of the dog, those are usually like pinkish, not like really dark red. Really dark red is kind of more of a problem. And then also you might see like dribbling of urine too, because they they can't urinate out of that. Because a lot of times the urethra, which is the tube that goes from the bladder to the penis is closed off. So they can't urinate. So what are the things that can happen when this happens? Because you would think that they just naturally be able to get it back inside, right? And a lot of them can. Like I said, if it lasts for 30 minutes, most of the time they'll be able to get it back into the sheath and not have a problem. But when we have a problem, it starts to be when the penis starts to change color those tissues start to dry out because they're used to having a very moist environment. The circulation of the penis becomes impaired and we can't get blood out. And so we have a lot of cell death that occurs. You have blood vessels that can become really compromised and it can cause like blood clots, which also cause death of the tissue. 
You can have trauma to the exposed penis. You can have urethra obstruction. So that's like, again, where they can't pee because there's, there's too much swelling in that area. And it can also even lead to things like a penile amputation. So like literally cutting off a piece of the penis. That's pretty extreme. And in most cases, we don't have to do that. But it's just one thing we do have to worry about, unfortunately. So if you see this, most people call into the vet and they're like, what do I do? So one of the things you can do at home is actually if you put sugar inside water, and ideally, if you have a syringe, that'd be great, or like a turkey baster or something, you can just dissolve sugar in water and you can put that on the dog's penis. This is like a cool trick because the fact that sugar in water actually makes it what's called a hypertonic solution. It makes it want to draw fluid out, which will bring down the swelling of the penis. And that's one thing that we do at the vet hospital too, which I'll get to, but it's basically like putting sugar water on there to try to help bring down that swelling. Other things you can do is like a cold water compress. So you don't want to put like an ice pack on there because you don't want to like freeze the penis and then kind of like cause a freezer burn on it. But you can use like a washcloth and put warp, sorry, put cold water on it and then hold that around the penis to try to again bring down some of that swelling. And then lots of lubricant. If you have lubricant, put lots of lubricant on. And then the next step is going to be going to the veterinary hospital. You know, ideally, if you can get it back in just with those minimal things, fantastic. You've avoided a trip to the vet hospital. But in most situations, that's going to at least help us by the time you get there so we can try to manually put the penis back into the sheath. All right, so what is your veterinarian going to do? So one of the first things usually is sedation. This is really painful. You know, the more that the dog is like pushing and and is painful, the less likely we're going to be able to get that penis back into the sheath. So one thing, the first thing is going to be usually sedation. Some people will just do it with just pain relievers as well. I don't find that it's a, that easy. I find that it's much easier when we do sedation and it's much, much less anxiety for the dog as well. We're going to do kind of a little bit of the same thing as we just talked about things that you could do at home. So we use something very similar to like what sugar water is, but it's something called dextrose. And it's basically a just a really hypertonic solution, meaning we're going to draw a lot of fluid out of the penis so that we'll be able to shrink. So we're putting that on. We're doing lots of lubrication as well so that we can hopefully get that penis back in. And then after that, we're manipulating the sheath. So we kind of have to like pull the sheath back in order to push it forward over the penis. So a lot of times if there's a lip, so like I said, it ro- that sheath rolls in, that's going to make it to where that penis will not go in. And so it's a lot of manipulation over and over again, trying to get that penis back in. And then sometimes if we can't do that, the next step is we have to cut the sheath. So we got to cut that tissue around the penis It's basically just like making this little triangle on the top there. So that way we make the opening wider so we'll be able to get the penis back in. Let's say that's the worst we've had to do. Then some of the things that we're also going to be doing is potentially putting in a urinary catheter so we can make sure that there's no issues with the swelling of the penis and that they'll be able to urinate. 
sometimes if it's really bad, like if that swelling is really bad or we couldn't get really get that urinary catheter in, sometimes we will put the urinary catheter in and have them hospitalized for a couple of days. So that way we make sure that no scar tissue forms inside the penis causing them to not be able to pee. Because if that's the case, now we have a much bigger surgery that has to occur. So sometimes just putting that urinary catheter in and keeping them in the hospital is just a good prevention for that. Other things is probably going to be performing like a urinalysis or even sometimes a biopsy. So the urinalysis is that we're going to be taking some urine and we're going to make sure that there's no signs of infection or anything inside that bladder. Or the biopsy, let's say we find some mass or something on the penis or the prepuse, then it might be like taking a biopsy of that area to make sure that there's nothing that looks like a cancerous cell that's there. Other things that might be done, let's say if we see that there's some tissue that doesn't look really good, maybe it's starting to look kind of black, sometimes we'll just do what's called debriding the tissue, meaning we're taking the tissue that doesn't look good off and we're allowing the healthy tissue underneath to start forming, and it'll almost form a little bit of a scar over the top there, but it's just new tissue forming. It's kind of like when you scrape your knee, you have that you know, scab that forms over it, but the new tissue forms underneath that. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is we're trying to get that new tissue to form underneath that so that we have good tissue, not bad tissue that forms. And then Sometimes if that penis just kind of wants to keep coming out, we'll do what's called a purse string. So it means putting a suture around the tip of the prepuse so that we would just keep the penis inside for a little while. That suture does come out after a couple of weeks just to make sure that everything's okay. The muscles are able to retract everything back. And then Lastly, like I said, one of the most extreme things is if we can't get the penis back in or it's too swollen or it's most of the time too necrotic or dying tissue, then we will have to perform a penile amputation. So cutting off whatever portion of the penis is no longer viable tissue, if they can't urinate through it, if it's just going to be dying off, that's going to cause really bad infections, it can cause some waste products to go back to the heart. Like we don't want all of those things. So unfortunately we have to cut them off, cut off the tip of the penis if that's the case. Again, not a very common thing. I've only seen it had to be done one time, luckily. So after that, we usually wake them up. If everything looks good, we usually send them home and just make sure that they are able to urinate on their own at home. And that if this happens again, you know, there's lots of other things that we can do to prevent it. But if it does keep happening, there are things, there are like surgeries that can be done. So you can have like a permanent enlargement of the opening of the prepuce. It's called an enlargement of the prepucial orifice. It basically means like when I was talking before about sometimes we have to cut this triangle into the prepuce. It's essentially that we're like cutting a triangle into the top of the prepuce and then just keeping that open so that that way the prepuce are the opening is bigger so that piece of tissue is bigger and we don't have to worry about it getting stuck anymore another thing that can be done is something called a prepucial advancement it just basically means for like those dogs who their penis just sticks out just a little bit because maybe their muscle doesn't work as well anymore or maybe they were born with a sheath that was too big for the penis you can basically like make that sheath larger 
So let's talk about some prevention things real quick. So usually some of the things is like if you have a really long haired dog, just like trimming the hair around the prepuce can help a lot with that. If you have a breeding dog, just keeping the penis really clean after they've bred, which usually just means like splashing water on the penis while it's still out. You don't have to like, you know, clean it with soap or water or anything. Just just usually splashing some water on that is is good enough. Or if you have a male dog and you have intact female dogs, when they're in heat, try to keep the male dog away from them, just even in general in the house, because they're still going to want to like hump other things. You know, they're going to hump the pillows and stuff, even if they can't get to the female dog that's in heat. All right. That was an interesting one, I know, but I actually have quite a few of them that come into the hospital. So I always think it's good to know how to like help them at home and also what to expect when you get to the vet hospital. So we're going to talk about our fun animal fact now. So I didn't know about this, but do you know that crocodiles cannot stick their tongue out? They actually have like this membrane on the roof of their mouth that holds the tongue in place so that they can't stick that out. But an alligator can stick their tongue out. So I guess if you're somewhere and you just don't know the difference between a crocodile and alligator, I guess you could ask them to stick their tongue out and then you'll know. All right. For next week, we're going to be talking about bladder stones, a much more PG subject for our kids. So if you have any questions again, always let me know. You can find us on you know, Facebook and on Instagram at Vetsplanations, and you can find us on Twitter at Vetsplanations Podcast. All right, thank you all again, and I hope you have a great week. Please remember that this podcast is for informational purposes only. This is not meant to be a diagnosis for your pet. If you have questions about diagnostics or about treatment options, please talk to your veterinarian about those things. Remember, we are all practicing veterinary medicine, and medicine is not an exact science. Your veterinarian may have different treatment options. If you like our podcast, please leave a five-star review and hit subscribe so you'll be able to hear all the future episodes. Thank you again, and I wish you and your pet well.